0: Why are demons afraid of Jesus? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Brian Dombozik. So, Brian, today we are continuing on in our trek through our survey of the life and ministry of Jesus. I'm going to save all of our caveats for later, because I'm sure that they're coming.
1: They will come in droves.
0: Absolutely. Maybe they will even run off a cliff. But, they uh, may. They may you never know you never know but uh, today we are looking at Luke chapter eight verses 26 through thirty nine or and and this is a this is a fun story sort of depending <laughs> on who you talk
1: to yeah this is one that when we include this in the Gospel project for kids in the past we have gotten a few uh, emails and letters asking us about this and um, huh? some kids leaders are not used to talking about demons in general, but especially when you have pigs flying through the air, drowning. Um, so I've had to have a few conversations explaining the value of this and, um, and usually people understand, but it, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a fun passage for many of us, but it can be a little bit stretching for some. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean,
1: yeah, you've mentioned,
0: we are looking at a passage that talks about demons, today and um that's kind of a hard thing for people in a western context to really deal with in some ways in some ways we have lots of tv shows about demons we have lots of um we have lots of books they're they're part of uh they're part of our pop culture um worldview basically um and it's kind of intense how, how much it's a part of it. And yet we act as though these things don't exist in reality.
1: And I think that's the problem. I think a lot of believers in the Western culture, um, they kind of categorize demons in, in two camps and neither camp is one that they like. The first is what you're talking about, pop culture and So we don't want to be part of that. We don't want to uh, embrace that kind of non-biblical understanding of demons. and and Rightfully so. mean sparkly
0: vampires with hearts of gold? Yeah.
1: Um, Or we kind of lump this in with some of the other theological traditions that go too far with this. Um, And so a lot of of Western believers kind of... uh, reject it altogether and Maybe not tacitly. Maybe they would not say. Oh, I I do not believe in demons Uh, But they we just kind of ignore it Um, And we forget that this is real that demons were real in the times of the Gospels uh, And demons are real today. Mm -hmm. Now how they are active what they do That's a good question. That's a good question to talk about. Are they still acting the same way as in the scriptures? Why don't we see some of the things that we've seen in the script. That's a fine and reasonable discussion, but what is not wise is to re- is to live as if they don't exist still today. For sure, for sure. And um, one of the things that
0: we're not going to do on this episode, and there's a very key reason why, is we're not going to be defining what exa- fully what exactly a demon is and what all they do. And the reason for that is, is because um, we've actually done an episode on the the reality of demons and what they are um, a few weeks back and so you can go back into the archives you can check that out. we also have a really nice concise explainer video for what demons are and are they real that's part of the 99 in 99 video series that you can find on YouTube and on gospelproject.com so check that out that's a that'll be a good. Uh, a good, fun little resource for you, if you can say fun in connection to demons, <laughs> and you probably shouldn't. So, no. <laughs> Brian, how about um, how about we do a couple of things here before I get myself into trouble and uh, have to kick myself off of my own podcast? Um, how about you set up the context for this passage that we're going to be looking at, and then I'm actually going to read the passage for us, okay. because it's short enough that I can actually
1: do it. Okay. Uh, so the context again like many of the episodes if somebody's been listening the last few weeks especially um it's kind of the same thing we're saying the same thing over and again but it's it's quite true we're uh, somewhere in the middle of Jesus' earthly ministry Uh, maybe this is near the uh, end of year two so maybe two-thirds of the way through or so Uh, but what i think is important here is to understand where this occurs in luke's gospel narrative because luke uh kind of records, he, he puts together uh, some of Jesus' ministry in Galilee in Luke chapters 4 through 9, and then he will shift to Jesus' ministry in Judea and Perea, picking up in Luke 9, running through 19, and of course that's going to take us up to the cross. So when you think about that, this is in chapter 8, of course, this is near the tail end of his treatment of Jesus' ministry in the Galilee area about the transition to Judea. So that is kind of helpful. And we're going to see in a minute what follows this, uh, what begins in verse 40 is going to be important as well, but we'll save that for a few minutes.
0: All right. So thanks for that setup, Brian. And, uh, now, like I said, here is the actual passage. So this is Luke eight 26 through 39 from the CSB translation. Then they, that's Jesus and his disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into the, into deserted places. What's your name? Jesus asked him. Legion, he said, because many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to banish him into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the men who tended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it in the town and in the countryside. Then people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man uh, the demons had departed from sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Then all the people of the Gerasene region asked him to leave them because they were gripped by great fear. So, getting into the boat, he returned. The man from whom the demons had departed begged him earnestly to be with him but he sent him away and said go back to your home and tell all that god has done for you and off he went proclaiming through the town how much jesus had done for him so that's our passage there's a lot of really packed stuff there yeah. um, in this and and some fun little teasers that uh that are there if you're paying attention to the language Um, as well. One is we learned how to pronounce Gerasenes. So (laughs) if you didn't know, that's how it is. It's not a hard G, it's a soft G. Um, So there you go. But um, so that's one of those questions that you would probably ask while you're studying this passage. But Brian, what are some other ones that we might ask?
1: Yeah, I think one, of course, it stands out. This is, it's such a curious passage because it has these details in it that are just so rich. So we have other passages where Jesus cast out demons, but this is the only passage that's, re- you know, any, any scripture that's recorded where he cast out demons into a herd of pigs, for example. And you also have this discussion with the, uh, the demon asking Jesus not to torment him. Um, which is kind of a fascinating thing uh, to consider. And so I think that's one of the first questions. What's going on there? If you look at verse 28 and verse 31, verse 31 kind of answers 28. But what did the demon have in mind? What What is the story here? And it seems reasonable when, when the demon asks him uh, in verse 28, um, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most... Hi God I beg you don't torment me he has verse 31 in mind they mm-hmm. begged him not to banish them to the abyss and so what is going on here is the demon apparently has in mind that Jesus at this point might banish it into the abyss what is the abyss follow-up question well there are a couple of passages in Scripture that may shed some light on this the first one is Revelation chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 and 11 in this we see John has as part of his vision uh, he sees some demons coming up out of the abyss so that kind of clues us in it doesn't give us complete answers to what's going on here but it may give us a bit of context that may be the abyss that the demon here back in Luke 8 has in mind and then 2 Peter 2 4 mentions some demons in captivity because of some heinous sin. Some people, again, you just keep chasing these threads. Some people connect that back to Genesis 6 with that kind of challenging passage of the daughters uh, and and sons of of, uh, men and daughters of God and what's going on there and Uh, So some people believe that there is some demonic activity there. That's what is in mind in 2 Peter 2.4. Again, that's that's a lot there. We won't get, get into that. But all this to say, there's another passage there that deals with some kind of captivity concerning demons. So what does this tell us? What can we safely walk away with? There's a lot of conjecture here. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of dots that we don't know how strongly they're connected or even if they should be connected. But what we do see, I think we can have a compelling case that there seems to be in the demons some understanding of the existence of eternal punishment that awaits them. So that awareness, I think we're pretty safe to stand there. We're going to talk about this in a minute as well. But notice that the demons respect Jesus. They acknowledge his sovereignty they acknowledge who he is. So there's an awareness of what's going on here. Uh, some would say that, you know, Satan, when it comes to Satan himself, he knows he's a defeated foe. Um, he's aware of scripture. He, he, you know, it's not like he has never had an opportunity to understand what is in this book. He just doesn't mm-hmm. trust in Jesus. He doesn't follow this, of course. Um, but it's not as if these demons are ignorant. So it yeah. does seem like they are aware that they are defeated. They they know that there's an eternal judgment coming, and the demon back in Luke eight, getting it back to the context here, seems to be saying, "Wait a minute, are you going to throw me in that place now, or do I start right. time?"
0: Right. Basically, is this is is this the day of judgment? Yeah. Because they yeah because they knew exactly who he was. So um, another question that is a very natural one is is why a herd of pigs. You know, uh, and here's the thing. Why would it, like, why would demons choose this? Why would Jesus say okay to it? Here's the thing. We don't really know. We we have no, we, there's not really a clear reason. When you look at commentaries um, of all stripes, basically the only thing that this, that it says about this, this little detail is to, is that it's there to remind us that, uh, this event is happening in a largely Gentile region, yeah. and so um, because there's Gentile presence, uh, Gentiles present, they didn't have law food laws related to pigs where the Jews did. So that's the that's an indicator of what's going on there. But what it does do is it is it does offer the opportunity to remind us of Jesus' sovereignty with that particular event. So remember. The demons asked Jesus permission. They didn't just go ahead and do this. They said, can you do this? Can we go here? And Jesus agreed. He allowed them to do it. That's important for us because so often, culturally, and even within the church at times, we get, we get this idea in our head that... God and Satan, that just uh, that God and Satan are co equals, that they're opposite sides of the same coin, but they're not. Satan and demons are created beings, where God is not. God is eternal. God has authority over everything that is a created being. So that so that's very important and the demons acknowledged this even in their rebellion against Jesus they acknowledged the fact that Jesus has authority over them and that's kind of an interesting and and yeah. weird thing to think about because when we when we think about rebellion from a human context it's a full denial of authority over and a refusal to submit to it but for them they can't so that's just fascinating to me
1: yeah and also i think it's helpful as as we again getting back to what we're talking about the at the top of the episode that sometimes a lot of believers especially in the west make the mistake of ignoring demons or operating as if if demons no longer exist i think when we start to um, wrap arms around the reality of demons some may be worried then well that's going to scare a lot of people we'll talk about this in a minute when we when we share different ways that we can connect this passage with others we're discipling, but, um, you know, when you hear demons, then of course, when you, especially when you pull in Hollywood's version of a lot of this, um, the, the natural inclination may be a posture of fear, um, Mm -hmm. that man, we don't want to talk about demons. That's just going to, you know, frighten people. Um, and I think what we see every time we see demons in scripture, when we see this spiritual warfare going on, we have to remember, That as a believer we are to respect demons we're to take them seriously, but we're not to fear them Um, They are not all-powerful. God is all-powerful And so we have to keep that in proportion. I think taking them too lightly which includes ignoring them is not wise but neither is Treating them as if they are equal to God all-powerful all-knowing and so forth. They are not they're finite creatures um, they are under God's sovereignty. We're reminded of it here. We're reminded Satan is under God's sovereignty The beginning of Job when he had to ask permission to inflict Job and God gives him permission within limited parameters. Mm-hmm. Uh, just time and time again, we, we know from scripture that Satan and the other demons are limited, but they're still powerful. They're still to be respected by us. That's why scripture tells us to flee. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, Brian, what's uh, what's one of the next things that we should be looking at?
1: Well, I think one of is is how this ends. Uh, so you have this, this amazing miracle, of course, of Jesus casting out this demon. This man had been uh, plagued by this demon for quite a while. And, and this contrast, notice he starts out naked and wild out of his mind. And at the end, he's clothed and sane. And so it is a noticeable difference. Um, so when the people see this, when they see this guy who had been doing nutso things, sitting down and you know, drinking tea or whatever with Jesus at the end and discussing whatever, that, of course, really struck them. But it didn't strike them in a way that drew them to Jesus. It actually pushed them away from him, or more precisely, it made them want to push Jesus away from them. Yep. It says in verse 37 that they had this great fear about them. Well, what were they afraid of? I think the main thing, the, the most common sense Probably clearest understanding here is they were afraid of his power. They saw mm-hmm. the power of Jesus and they were afraid of it, as might be understood if somebody doesn't understand that Jesus was there for them. He was there to deliver them. He was there to rescue them. He was there to love them. If you don't understand that, it might be a natural response um, out of fear. Here they'd been afraid of that demon possession probably, and now something greater than the demon is there. Well, of course, I'm going to be afraid of that too. Totally. So, so that's probably the bulk of it. But I, I think we'd be mistaken if we don't also consider there may have been a very practical reason as well. That herd of pigs was, was probably a big part of the economy. Um, they, if these were Gentiles, it would have been raising those pigs for food or whatever. Or it may have been Jews who just were okay with hanging out with pigs, even though it made them unclean, because selling to Gentiles was profitable. Either way, their economy just got jacked up. Mm-hmm. And so they may have been um, also saying, man, this guy, he's going to run us to the poorhouse. <laughs> what else is <laughs> going to break? And they, there may have been part of that as well. But, but again, the language in Luke, can, or it says fear. So I think we're safer to start there primarily and then wonder, could there also have been a secondary reason? This mm-hmm. clearly was not the primary reason because Scripture doesn't say it's the primary reason yeah um so yeah i think also we we have um one thing setting up this here sets up what follows at at the beginning when i was talking about the context i mentioned verse 40 and what follows is going to matter here's where it starts connecting so think about it what you have is you have this account that luke is providing to teach us something and he's saying look uh, not only do we learn here that Jesus has power over the demons but also let's notice how people respond notice the man who was uh, the demons were cast out of this man notice that he wants to go with Jesus and Jesus says, no stay here and then notice he's he goes on evangelism missions which is great yeah. but then what about this other group we see faithlessness from them don't we Mm-hmm. We see them, instead of coming to Jesus in faith, they exi- exhibit faithlessness and chase him away. That's going to be setting up a really helpful contrast in what follows when Luke introduces us to the faith of Jairus and the faith of this woman with a bleeding condition who knows that if she merely touches Jesus' robe, she can be healed. Mm-hmm. So I think Luke here has this position where it is to set up this faithlessness and faithfulness contrast.
0: Yeah. Now, there's one other thing that I noticed in this passage, too, that is, is an interesting choice of language that Luke gives as well. Because um, notice in verse 39 that um, when Jesus sent this man away, he said, go back to your home and tell all that God had done for you. And then it ends with him saying, and the, and he, the man went off proclaiming throughout the town, how much Jesus mm. had done for him. So this is just another one of those important little reminders. This is not an insignificant detail or a slip or anything like that. This is, this is Luke acknowledging the fact that Jesus, that Jesus is God. And so it's another one of those signifiers. And that's something that we can draw from for the entire passage as well. Because, again, it goes back to authority. Who has authority over demons? God does. Well, how can Jesus have authority over demons unless he's God? Yep. So, so that's that's just one of those really important reminders that's that's there that really is something that we can that we can lean into as we think about how to practically work through this passage with someone else. So, um, there are a couple of thoughts that we had on that. Um,
1: do you want to share yours first? Yeah, I think for mine, it's it's uh, we can't get away from this idea of demons here, and um, when you. If you're using this passage in discipleship, if you're teaching it in, in front of a group of adult students or kids, whatever the context may be, one-on-one, and you spend some time reading through these, demons are just going to be paramount on the, the mind of whoever you're discipling. And, that, and that's okay. It should be. As, as we've talked about, we, we need to uh, understand demons are real and so forth. But I think what we need to do is be really careful to gauge the spiritual maturity of of the person or people that we're discipling. um, And treat this idea, this topic of demons as broadly or drill down as much as is needed, as much as that individual or group is ready for. And so for some, especially a newer believer, maybe kids as well, but for some, if we get into the weeds of demons too much here, it may be a distraction, Um, they may miss the bigger ideas here that we're talking about this is affirming the deity of jesus this is this is setting up this idea of faith Um, and we don't want those big ideas the big reason why this passage isn't here being lost because we're chasing rabbits important rabbits but still chasing rabbits of what demons are and you know starting to explore i mean look when i was talking about the abyss look at how many trails we we came across so quickly and so easily when you start studying demons, there are tons of different rabbit holes that you're going to go down. And so what you don't want to do is have that person just take that detour and pursuing that study, which is helpful, but not as a, as profitable as keeping our eyes fixed on the gospel, the main storyline that, that's running before us. So some, we may just want to keep it in general. They Either they may become infatuated or they may not be ready. This may be mm-hmm. too heady for them. If it is in general, I would just say this. Just keep this the, the basics in mind. That God created angels. At some point, some of the angels rebelled and became demons. And demons are powerful, but subordinate to Christ. Uh, and that even notice the demons are aware of Jesus, who he is. I think if you if you stay there, that they will be judged. If you can kind of just stay there, those broad brushstrokes. Hopefully, that's satisfying enough. You can treat this text, treat it well, but keep on track with the main ideas here of who Jesus is and faith.
0: Yeah, and in that um, you know, in that same vein, if if you've got people who um, are in a place where they want to drill down uh, more deeply, things like that. Uh, inevitably, you are going to have people who are going to ask you, "Well, like, do you know any any resources that uh, that I can look to?" Here is just my advice. I am actually not going to recommend any specific books about this or podcasts, aside from again, we have a short video on it. It is a it's a good solid piece um, that you know hits the main keeps the main things the main things. Um, but here is here is just the advice that I would have for you on there. Be really careful about the books and yeah. other things that are out there because there's some weird stuff. Like, and and I don't mean weird in that it's challenging. I mean weird in that it's her- heresy. So, um, so, and I'm gonna be kind today, and I'm not even gonna mention specific titles, um, just because it's because I don't want to. But um, but feel free to but feel free to email me if you want some recommend recommendations on what yeah. not to read.
1: <laughs> yeah, there there are a number. You're right. I, I think there, in my awareness, there's there's an absence of solid writing on this mm-hmm. as standalone resources. I think the best option is go to your trusted systematic theology. Pretty much any systematic theology is going to deal with this. So go to your trusted systematic theology. Your, the trusted one or two that stand out most, and it will likely it should have a section on this, and I think that will be yeah. sufficient.
0: Yeah, it should be. It should be. So, um, so yeah. So that that's that's just one one extra bonus piece of advice on that part. Um, as far as a second piece of guidance, apart from that, I think it's really really important that um, that we lean into from this passage the reality and the reminder that Jesus has authority over all things. So he has power over all of creation. Demons are not his equal. They are his subordinates, as as you Brian said just a, a few moments ago. Um, but because Jesus is in authority over everything, ultimately what that means is that we can trust him to do all things according to his purposes. And that means that what he's going to do is ultimately going to be for our good, even if it's hard for us to understand. And so, um, the reason that I I would encourage us to to lean into that is is because at any time, um, you know, whether we're in a, an ongoing situation where our lives are turned upside down, like they've been for the last several months. Um, or life is in a relatively normal spot or what seems like normal, there's always going to be something that is going to be either in the, like up front or on the fringes that is, Um, is going to be an issue or a challenge for us. And so we we can know that even those things, whether they seem big or small, those things are not outside of his authority. And because they're not outside of his authority, that means that they are things that we can bring to him in prayer and confidently know that he is going to address in a way that he deems best. Good. So um, that, I think, is, a, is probably a good place for us to wrap this up. So, uh, Brian, thanks for chatting today, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.